mind because uh, Syracuse lost, my brackets busted, and I had an Asian woman shove stuff up my ass. So, you Uh, win. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Well, what, I mean, let me tell you one more thing before we get to that Asian woman shoving shit up your ass. Well, we got, that's actually going to take some real planning, though. Yeah, well, that's because we got 16 months. I think we might be able to pull yeah, it off. I mean, like, we're going to have to arrange living situations, not sleeping on guys' couch. No, 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 no. We book hotel rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hotel rooms and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and stuff could could include campsites, you know? <laughs> I'm Sanders, and he's Liv, and we are two sorry excuses. Liveroo! What's up, Sam, man? Hey, man. Hey, man, what's going on? Nothing, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Ah, very good, very good. Happy Thursday. Yep, a happy Thursday to you as well. And happy Two Sorry Excuses episode 18, I believe. Yep. We're grizzled podcast veterans, man. Yeah, no kidding, man. I think after 25, we become eligible for the um, Podcasting Hall of Fame. (laughs) (laughs) Such strict uh, requirements to get into that vaunted hall. It's elite company. Yeah. (laughs) So what's going on, man? How was your week? Uh... Been pretty good, pretty busy, you know, since last week. Went out of town last Friday to go three and a half hours away out to Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is very close to Texas, to do a fantasy draft. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny is um, this was the first year I played uh, in any fantasy league in a long time, and I've only done it a few times, but I started watching the league on Netflix, Um, and it's kind of got me pumped for fantasy football this year. I used to watch that. I haven't watched it in a few years. Um, Little fun fact, the guy that plays Pete is a class of 95 graduate of Jesuit High School. Also a doppelganger for Jay Stocks. (laughs) Yeah, Mark, uh, which one is that? Oh, no, 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 no. Pete's the guy who runs the league, right? Yeah, the the shaggy haired guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Are you talking about Nick Kroll? Kevin McCart. Uh, Ta- oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he reminds me. He looks exactly he like Jay Stocks. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's why 
Hollywood didn't need him so much, huh? <laughs> so wait, you drove you drove out. Who lives out there? Well, see, um, one of my uh, buddies from law school. He's from out that way. He lives here now, you know. Okay. But he's from out that way. So uh, about three or four years ago, he's like, "We need somebody. We we need a team in the uh, fantasy baseball league." And these guys take baseball way more serious than oh, I am. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, this is this isn't even NFL. This is this is yeah, fantasy I, I baseball. Even the most aggressive NFL guys aren't drafting in a, before the NFL draft. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna hold that for a little later to see how the story developed, but um, <laughs> at this point, <laughs> at this point, I didn't realize it was baseball. All right. <laughs> I mean, Manziel had his pro day today. We're beating him to that shit. You know? <laughs> no, it's baseball, and I'm. And the thing is, like, I had the first pick in the draft. I'm getting all these people, and it's a keepers league too. So, okay. like, the week the week before the draft, he, the guy I had the second pick, he starts texting me. It was the night of the Syracuse NC State game. And he's texting me like, "Who who are you thinking about with your first pick?" You know, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I don't have a clue. Who are you thinking about?" You know, <laughs> just because I'm like, I didn't want to say something and be like, "Oh, that dude's kept." You know, because right. most of the good players are already gone. You know, like Mike Trout, you know, somebody hopped on him two years ago or something, you know? Okay. And uh, so he said, oh, I'm thinking of uh, Voto, Fielder, and such and such. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about those guys, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kept pressing me, and I finally was like, dude, luckily I had the Syracuse game to, like, Used as a crutch. I was like, dude, you're killing me. I'm trying to watch the Syracuse game. He's like, oh, all right, you left me alone. So, of course, like, you know, I do like a big cram session where I just make sure I don't pick anybody who is a keeper so I don't look like an idiot when I get uh, get to the draft. Right. And um, I don't know. I just go on top 250 list and whoever the best available is. Names I recognize. You know, and these guys, oh, that guy had a terrible spring. I'm like, who the hell's paying attention to spring baseball? <laughs> so, so you must, did they want to add a guy or were you taking a spot of a guy? I was taking a spot, but they're like, if you join the league, please don't leave it. Because the problem is they had a, a procession of dudes who would take a spot and drop out, you know. And what happens to their team? It gets carved it, up? It would have to, see, they had a perfect number, so they need to find somebody new to take it, you know. Right. Which is where I came into play. So did you inherit the team? Yeah, I inherited somebody else's team, but I gave it my own name and everything, you know? What's your name? The Seal Clubbers. <laughs> the, the real shame is the original name I was going to give my team was the Rolando Paulino All-Stars. <laughs> okay. Do you know what that is? I have no idea what that is. Do you remember the, the, uh, the scandal involving a one Danny Almonte? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Orlando Paulino All-Stars was the team of the Little League All-Star team from the Bronx that he played for, which is what the team was at the Little League World Series. You know, of course, they changed the uniforms and give them, like, New York or something, you know? Right, right. Okay, I'm following but you. But the problem was it's a Yahoo League, and it wouldn't fit in the um, the allocated lettering. 
you know, wasn't enough to fill in Rolando Paulino All-Stars. <laughs> Fucking. So I just went with my old standby. That's an old name that I had when I played in a league in Boston. You know. So this year we, you know, these guys really blow it out for the draft. So it was, I, they did it out there two years ago, but I couldn't go because it was the weekend of the St. Patrick's Parade. Okay. And uh, last year they did it at the guy's house that lives here, which I really prefer because I can go sleep in my own bed. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, they're like this camp. They kept talking about the camp we're going to, you know. And I was like, well, the Syracuse game's going to be. I didn't even want to ask about it until we made, until I made sure we won Thursday. Because I was like, I'll jinx myself, you know. Right. I was like, if I bring it up that I want to make sure we get the TV there, and they end up losing the first game, they'll be like, hey, asshole, do you care about the game? Ha ha ha. <laughs> right. You'll you never know? hear the end of it for the entire weekend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I texted one of the the guy whose uncle owns the camp. You know, I'm thinking camp. You know, like a it's a it's like on a lake. You know, like a fishing camp or something. You know, right? And, I mean, I knew it was going to be sheltered. You know, but I'm thinking <laughs> like one of these rudimentary camps. He's like, I'm like, you think we'll find the Sir- be able to watch the Syracuse game? He's like. He responds, he's like, yeah, what stations are on? I was like, TBS. He's like, yeah, I think I think we could do that. And I get there, and it's this million-dollar camp. <laughs> and the story was that their uncle, who's not their blood uncle, he's married to, like, the mother or father's sister. His family, about 100-something years ago, they were from North Louisiana, I think, uh, you know, some brothers up there, you know, like it was like a couple of, uh, you know, family members, two brothers, two or three brothers. They start buying up land down there for like timberland. You know, it was like one dollar an acre. It was all this just vast openness that you could use for timber, you know. Right. And um, well, and low, they discover oil under all this property. You know, just like the uh, Beverly Hillbillies, I guess. So, so basically, like, these people have been ridiculously wealthy for the past hundred years. Like, I think they sold the Timberland because they finally cleared it of timber event finally once and for all. But you can hold on to the mineral lease, right? Right. You know, but you have to um, you have to drill every ten years. You know, like or or the uh, or the lease expires. You know, it prescribes. So, like, even, like, the, the Uncle Eddie guy who's, um, he's not the sole owner of the camp. I think one of his, I think his brother or sister owns it with him now because it was built by, like, their parents. Uh, you know, he, he's he got his own insurance company, which I'm sure is wildly successful. But he also has, you know, the, the largest of the oil monies. So he's got this ridiculous camp. You go up there, it's about 30 because it got wiped out originally by Hurricane Kat- Rita, which was the one that followed up Katrina in 2005, but hit that part of the state. Okay. So they built this, so they rebuilt it in cement and steel, and it's like 20-something feet off the ground. You know, you go up there, it even has an elevator in it, but we didn't use the elevator. But um, <laughs> it's got this pier that goes out about 100 yards out into the water. It's ridiculous, man. It was it was preposterous. There was, um, 
Like, there's at least four or five bathrooms in this place, multiple bedrooms. I had my own queen-size bed to sleep in. No and way. Like 10 or 12 dudes stay in there. You know? Like, it was nicer than any place I've ever lived. <laughs> and it was a camp. You know? With full Wi-Fi access, flat-screen TVs, leather couches and recliners. I was like, oh, all right. This isn't a camp. You know? And apparently the uncle doesn't even like the fish. He just likes to he just likes to hang out, which is really weird from the place that he's from. You know, like that part of the state. Most people are like most people in Louisiana. Not most people, but lots of people in Louisiana. Uh, I'd be willing to say at least fifty percent of the state has an interest in fishing and hunting or both. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, never have I had a client in the office. You know, like our longshoremen or something. Yeah, right. Every time we have like these, like these voc rehab things, it's like, is there anything you used to do that you can't do anymore? You know, without fail, they will never miss saying the phrase, oh, fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love to fish. I just can't fish anymore. And I guess that must be, like, to them, like, the worst thing in the world, you know? Like, oh, they have to know I'm hurt if I can't fish anymore. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, your week's better than mine because uh, Syracuse lost, my brackets busted, and I had an Asian woman shove stuff up my ass. So, you Uh, win. Well, what... I mean, let me tell you one more thing before we get to that Asian woman shoving shit up your ass. <laughs> okay. When is the last time you swung at a baseball? When was the last time I swung? I'll tell you exactly. Can it be a wiffle ball or does it have to be a baseball baseball? No, base, an actual baseball. Like something where like you're up there and you're afraid you might get hit or something. You know, like a baseball. Pitching machine count? Yeah, pitching machine even counts. I would I would probably say five or six years ago when I uh, well probably six or seven years ago when I started dating Ange, she got a softball coaching job. So uh, one of our first dates was to go to the batting cages so she could kind of get her swing back. And of <laughs> course, you know, I had to yeah. step in and and show her my prowess. Um, my baseball career stopped at 15 years old in the senior division of the Little League. Um, I ended up hitting 535 that year, but off of all 13-year-olds. So okay. um, that was that was basically the, the highlight of my career. I didn't touch a baseball bat until I was about 33 and thoroughly embarrassed myself in the medium speed cages. Yep. Okay. Because the last time I played was, I quit playing at 13. Okay. You know, in the uh, Babe Ruth League. The last, it wasn't the last year I could play because I guess I could play the next year. But I was already, the next, after 13, I was gone in the eighth grade at a, at, at Jesuit, you know, which is a five grade school. So you don't, you disregard playground sports from that point on, you know? Right. And, um, and I knew I wasn't good enough to play baseball there. And plus, my preferred position was catcher, and I was a left-handed catcher. So uh, <laughs> when I played the last year, when I played in Babe Ruth, like they didn't even—I was already relegated to the outfield right. because the kid playing catcher. There was a guy that was going to play like 
for like a high school team. You know, it was a guy who was really good. I was going to play for one of the other uh, Catholic schools in town. So I was like, all right, well, this is the end of my baseball non-career. Uh, and then two years ago, when I was up in New York, when I went up there to play for us to watch the uh, USC game. On one of the days like that I was staying in Hoboken with Pat. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think it was the day that I met y'all, you at, um, at Brother Bro- Jimmy's. Brother Jimmy's for, uh, for happy hour. Yeah, so I had a lot of time to kill. So I went to the uh, the batting cages at the Chelsea Piers. Yeah. And that was the first time since 13 that I tried to hit a uh, live baseball. And I was like, man, this is really hard and I'm terrible at it. You know? So that just segues into what we did Friday night. So Friday night, um, one of the, the two guys that are in the league, they're brothers, like the one I called about um, watching watching the Syracuse game. His older brother, you know, he's about, you know, three years younger than me, but he played college baseball for a little bit. Like this guy used to be able to throw the ball like 94, 95 miles per hour, but his problem was that he was a really wild arm. Okay. But, but he's got legitimate skill. He works for the guy, Uncle Eddie, for his insurance company. This guy he sells insurance to. You know, some kind of guy who has some business connected to oil. I think he does, like, um, cement for, like, uh, oil field purposes or whatever. You know, Captain Wells, that type of stuff, I guess. Okay. Uh, he's like, this guy, had, he's like, this client of mine told me we can use he, use his, uh, his batting facility. He's got a batting facility, and it, it has pitching machines, and it's a computerized system. He's like, it goes up to 100 miles per hour. Are you guys interested? So I'm like, yes. <laughs> so we pull up to this estate. It's like South Fork or something, you know? Okay. Uh, and we drive back there, and he's got this huge batting facility. Like like you see at a, co- like a college baseball team or a minor league baseball team would have. And you walk in there, and right down the middle is a, is a pitching mound. You know, like for you to practice your pitching in there. Artificial turf and stuff all in there, you know? Indoor? The whole thing's indoor? Okay. All indoor. On one side, there's, you know, and on one side, on the right-hand side's a a batting cage. And the left-hand side's a batting cage. The right-hand side is the uh, baseball batting cage for his son. The the left-hand side's the cage for his daughter, who was a softball player. No way. Yes. Like... In the system they had, on each of these cages, you go back, to, like, right outside where the batter stands, outside the uh, cage, there was uh, a little, like, little, like, podium thing, like, desk with a computer on it. And you pull up the, you pull up the computer, you, you answer how old, what, what kind of pitching you want to see. You want to see kids pitching, 13 to 15, high school, college, Major leagues, and you can put in, okay, want, we want that. We want 100 miles per hour. You can place it where you want it on the plate. Oh, do you want to throw a curve? Oh, you want to throw a sinker? You know, all this stuff. And you get in the batting box, the batter's box, and when the pitch comes up, there's a, down there, all you see is a white screen with a hole in it. And when the pitch comes up, it's live action of an actual pitcher. 
No way. Yes, like video of a picture. And where his release is is where the hole is. So it's it's actually better than trying to hit off of just a pitching machine. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, like, but it has to be like twenty something thousand dollar system, something ridiculous like that. You know, like the whole facility itself has to be a hundred thousand dollars to build this thing. Right. And he, we didn't use the other side, but the other side was um, is is the softball analog. So the so the hole's down like near the bottom where the release is when a softball pitcher throws. Okay. You know, and it's got the screen. We didn't we didn't run it, but it's the same thing set with a softball pitcher. You know, she's up there. So we all were taking cuts in there, and we were all terrible, except for the guy that played college baseball. Uh, I got up there. I think I swung at least 20 pitches. I slightly tipped two of them, but I made decent contact on three of them. But when they threw the 100-mile-per-hour per stuff, that wasn't happening for my life. You know, you see a 100-mile-per-hour pitch go past you. Like, by the time you swing your bat, it's already past you. Yeah, there's not a chance. I've gotten into the 100-mile-an-hour uh, cage once. Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't even worth it. I wasted oh. my dollar. Yeah, see, this is all free, so. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I know I hit it at least at 84, because I know once I hit it, I was like, how fast did I? He was like, oh, 84, because that was one of the common settings, you know, 84. You had a preordained for certain pitches. Okay. And the thing you start doing, you realize, oh, wait, i got to start swinging, like, when his arm comes up, you know? Right. So the times I did hit it by chance, it was a miracle every time, uh, was just by... You know, seeing the arm come up and right, just start swinging right away because it's amazing how quick it gets there. It gives you another level of respect for, uh, for, for like baseball players. Like, all I'm trying to do is try to make any contact with it. The fact that these guys get up, they got their perfect stance, the bat speed, the reflexes, they're swinging right where they want to. You know, it's like there's so much that goes into that. You know, it's like, all right. So, like, the other night I went to a college baseball game, and I was like, you know, see a guy strike out. I was like, you know what? That strikeout was a hell of a lot more impressive than mine. You know? It was crazy. And think, but, of, think about it. They Not only do they succeed, you know, 25 to 33% of the time, they're making yep. contact at yeah. least half of those, half of their at-bats. Exactly. Like the three, like the three ones that I actually hit solidly would probably all be outs in real baseball, right? You know. Meanwhile, you see guys you're like, oh man, that guy sucks. He only hits two hundred. You know. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it's so damn hard. And the worst part, though, later on, because we had a pitching gun in there too, you know, radar gun. So like, hey, let's see who can throw the fastest. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a go. And my, I knew I was going to be lousy at it anyway. But I will say my defense, I wasn't wearing shoes because I had flip-flops on. All right. Uh, I got it up to a smoking 49 miles per hour, <laughs> which was at least eight hours slow, eight miles slower than the, uh, than the next slowest guy. So that was kind of humiliating. Um, I can't believe that you guys didn't at least turn on the softball batting cage to find out if the virtual pitcher was hot. Yeah. <laughs> No, that wasn't even contemplated. You know, it's, I don't know. 
I think we were just so eager to go up against the big boy machine, you know? Once you told me that they were virtual uh, pitchers, the first thing that popped in my mind was, the so- was the softball pitcher hot? Well, I doubt she's wearing, you know, lingerie or anything. No, no, no. I don't even mean sexy. <laughs> I don't even mean sexy. I mean, like, that sporty. Now, don't forget, yeah. I'm, I'm married to a softball player, yeah. so I'm, I'm partial to this kind of look. Um, but that, just that sporty, yeah, you know, kind of Jenny Finch softballish well, kind of look. I I think uh, they did have some Jenny Finch posters up in there. Yeah, why wouldn't you? You know, um, but I tell you this much, even throwing as terrible as I threw, I knew it was going to hurt, though. Like, cause I was like, I was like, we're all gonna be hurting. No one's even like doing any warm ups, and we're just sitting out here and seeing how fast we can uncork a ball. A bunch of unathletic thirty-something-year-old guys, you know. Uh, so like, I mean, it finally started feeling better yesterday, but for a couple of days after, my arm, you know, was dead, and my and my quads were hurting and stuff, you know, from. From being in that stance all tensed up trying to hit the baseball. Yeah, of course, man. You haven't used those muscles in... I mean, you went to Chelsea Pier, which is great, but... Yeah. I mean, you probably... Did you go in, like, the medium speed? Yeah, I was was swinging at 50 miles per hour in there. Yeah, you were by yourself, so you guaranteed you were in, like, the slow and medium because there's nobody to impress. But when you step in with a bunch of guys, especially when one of them is... uh, you know, is is uh, inclined to be good at either yeah. hitting or pitching. You ramp up your game a little bit. Yep, I was happy that I did get three decent hits on it because there were other guys there who I, you know, like one guy who when I was controlling it, uh, he's like, "Yeah, throw eighty somethings to me." So I was like, "All right," and he couldn't hit anything, and I didn't tell him. I slowed it down. And okay. he hit it because I was hoping I could mentally, you know, get him focused to hit it more. I was kind of like doing my own psychological experiment. <laughs> so I lowered it to like 78 and hit it and I ramped it back up because I was like, maybe he'll be confident now. <laughs> but no, he didn't hit it. Uh, you're, you're, speed. you're like the BF Skinner of private batting cages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, the funny thing is, the the daughter, I guess she ended up playing at LSU on the softball team. She might actually be on the team now. I don't know. But one of the guys um, was telling me, uh, apparently the son, you know, got to high school. And he was like, fuck this. I hate baseball. (laughs) Oh, no way. He didn't even make it to college. (laughs) He didn't even make it past high school. He didn't even make it on the high school team. You know, and I could kind of see that, you know, like. We, obviously, your old man's serious about baseball when he builds that thing. Right. It's probably enough to turn you off to the sport. You know? Yeah. That's... Waking you up at five in the morning to get out and do your morning cuts, you know? What uh, uh, What town was this? This was in Lake Charles, Louisiana. It's in uh, southwest Louisiana. It's They're more so like Texans out there than... Uh, than Louisianans. You know, it's only like three hours away from Houston. Uh, Bailey Corbello? Would that happen to be... Uh... Is that a guy from there? No, that's a chick. Uh, she's uh, she's um, she's a freshman. I don't know what year this is. Looks like she was a freshman on LSU this year. Uh, me... She is from Lake Charles, Louisiana. 
Let me look it up. Uh, send me the link. She's the daughter of Kevin and Tony Corbello. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. No? No, because I know their name now. Let me look it up. Let me see if... Hell, she might not even be... She, she might... She might not even be in college yet. They just had a picture of the LSU. Uh, amongst all the pictures they had of her in high school, they had a picture of the LSU softball team. So, hell, she might have. Um, she might have graduated even. That's this year's team. Yeah. All right. Let me see. I'm gonna click on this link. Oh, I found it. Hold on. I have found her. Because I, I just remember the name. What year was this? This was done. What's the name? Oh, it's the first one on the list. Lena of the, Savoie. Of the one I sent you? Yeah, yeah. From Lake Charles, Louisiana, Barb High School. That's her. She's a freshman. You see it? I got her. I got her. Yeah. Yep. Three-year letter winner for Sarah Porty at Barb High School in Lake Charles. Team went undefeated in District 3-5A in 2011-2012. All-District first team, all-Southwest Louisiana, all-state composite team, accolades as a senior. Also lettered in gymnastics, member of National Honor Society, National Society of High School Scholarship. Scholars plays travel ball for the Texas Firecrackers Gold and Houston Power Gold. Competed at the ASA Gold Nationals in 2012 and 2013. Her yeah, it's, it's this, this girl. Has one sibling, Britt, who apparently is a disappointment to his family. Apparently because her mom was a member of the McNeese State Rodeo Team and won the title of National Miss College Rodeo American in 1987. Yeah. So come on, Britt. Yeah. Suck it up, you pussy. Yeah. See, Lake Charles is so much different than over here. Like, they're big into rodeo out there. Like, there's a lot of, like, uh, you, if you ever watch, like, the uh, National Finals Rodeo on ESPN, you'll see a fair amount of uh, Louisiana Cowboys, and, you know, usually they're from out that way. In fact, McNeese State, which is the college, that's Joe Dumar's alma mater. That's in uh, Lake Charles. He's, uh, they're, they're the Cowboys. Well, I you're... believe Syracuse played them like in the 1978 Independence Bowl or something like that. <laughs> I'm going to Google that right now. Well, you're not going to believe this. I do have experience with the rodeo because my sister's uh, fiance, in addition to being a huge NASCAR fan, is a huge rodeo fan. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeez. So I've started to watch rodeo as well. In addition to having my own... Uh, interest in bull riding yeah i've never seen my parents have been a few times my sister went earlier this year with her boyfriend well in the fall they they still have a they have a prison rodeo down here the angola prison rodeo oh that's for that's a real thing yeah yeah it's one of the last ones in the country i know they got them in texas still uh, you know, like in Stir Crazy, the prison rodeo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like you go out there and it takes a while to get up there. Yeah, Syracuse played, won 31-7 against McNeese State in the 1979 Independence Bowl. <laughs> I can't believe you remember that shit. Well, I just looked that up. I just know that they, I knew that they had played, you know, because it was always weird. 
you know, weird, weird idea. I guess McNeese State, because that, that was in that, that time is that uh, gray area when they were starting a Division One AA uh, system. Like, I think their first Division One A champion was, like, in 1977 or something. It was Ford A&M. You know, so I think McNeese State must have been trying to be a major program before, uh, because they're kind of like a Division One AA uh, or a football championship subdivision. They're kind of like a uh, a powerhouse. They're always really good at that. Yeah, they right. Haven't won the title, but they're usually pretty good. They they usually play um, they they usually play up once or twice and and give somebody a good game. They beat the hell out of South Florida this year. Okay. They beat the hell out of South Florida. <laughs> I gotta look that up. And they actually lost a lawsuit against Wyoming years ago, and they had to change their uh, their logo. Their logo used to basically be a blue and gold version of what Wyoming has, which is a really cool logo. Yeah, they got a decent one now. Um, let me see. I'm I'm. I love this distraction of where we go exploring these <laughs> states. Uh, yeah, they won 53 to 21. I mean, 53 to 21 when they're when they're put on the schedule to be a patsy. Yeah. Yeah. You can even look at the logo and you know, look at this. Oh, I'm there, man. I'm already oh, there. Okay. I'm already there. I always get a kick out of that because usually our Thursday afternoon correspondences go uh, very similar to what they went today. Um, hey, you around tonight? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was just going to text you. All right, cool. Well, um, we got to make it fast. I got this to do. Okay, no problem. All right, well, how about we just keep it to an hour because I got that to do. Yeah, okay, no problem. Let's get started You know, early so we can get done early. Okay, no problem. And then spend uh, 15 minutes on McNeese State and the 1978 Independence Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's random the, diversion. It's the beauty of shooting the shit. I um, speaking of random diversions and digressions. So the other night, um, the other night I went to Tulane LSU baseball game at Tulane because one of my buddies was like, "We got an extra ticket." It was all LSU guys, so I got it there with them. My allegiances were always kind of Tulane. I told him at one point, you know, I was like, I told my buddy who uh, who asked me to go, I'm like, I was like, you know, I kind of lean towards Tulane, but I respect for you guys. I'm just suppressing my cheering, you know. <laughs> but then the ninth inning comes and goes, and it goes to extra innings. All these guys like, we got to get up. We got to go to work in the morning. I was like, well, I'm going to sit there. I'm not leaving now, you know. But, um, and then, uh, my, so it's just me and my buddy Gagne. The guy invited me. He's like, no, I'll stay. I was like, you can go if you want, because I know he didn't really want to be there. But he felt bad leaving me alone. I'm like, I don't care. I'll sit here and watch this by myself. It was kind of cool that night, too. Like, it was windy. So I'd been suppressing it all along. It's 11th inning. And uh, Tulane gets a man on with two outs. You know, a guy gets a double. And then a kid comes up and knocks him in. You know, there's a play at the plate. And the guy's safe. And you know, everybody goes nuts. I start cheering. My buddy just turns to me. He's like, shut up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can finally actually cheer for what I wanted to see happen tonight. But anyway, one of the guys um, that were with, 
he starts BSing about um about uh well we were talking I was talking to his buddy and the guy's like, Oh yeah, live here, went to Syracuse, blah blah blah. The guy's like, Oh, a guy in my office uh went to Syracuse, you know, he's talking about how he always does two two brackets, you know, because of that, because he does one in Syracuse, and he always does two brackets and like this year he just did two brackets. And still, the winner came out Syracuse in the second bracket. <laughs> I was like, I guess that makes sense, but that's why I only do one friggin' bracket. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the guy's like, I couldn't help it. Everything, everything no matter what I did, they, they're still going to win it. <laughs> and to, to me, the second bracket is almost... The hedging with the second bracket is, is almost having the opposite effect of picking Syracuse in one of your brackets. Yeah, you exactly. Ha- you got to be all in. Yeah, well, that's why that's, I used to do like a couple of different brackets, and I'm like, screw that. I, I, I don't care if I lose 10 or 20 bucks, you know, or whatever the cumulative amount I paid in the pools this year, which is probably like 40 bucks. You know, forty or fifty dollars. I don't care about that because if Syracuse wins the title, I'm probably going to win some money in one of the pools. Right. Most likely one of the pools with guys down here, and I'll be ridiculously happy anyway. So screw it. I'm willing to risk a fifty dollar bet on that. For the upside of the of the enjoyment, it's it, it's unmeasurable. Unme- yep. But the other part of that is that um. The point of that story was when he told me about the guy who works with with him that went to Syracuse. I was like, oh, well, now I know there's five people in the city of New Orleans. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I'm the president of the um, New Orleans, the Greater New Orleans area uh, Syracuse Alumni Club. Yeah, and uh, you can give uh, him my number, and then I'll pass it along to Magazine Road Man and um, girlfriend watches games with girlfriend guy. Yeah, I ran into watches games with girlfriend guy today at lunch. <laughs> I walk into this little deli and he's like, "Hey man, what's going on?" And I was like, "Hey." You know, he's like, "Oh, that was terrible. Wait till next year." I'm like, "Yep, wait till next year, man. Wait till next year." You know, he was there with his girlfriend and some other woman, and he's talking to me, and the other one was like, "Syracuse," and the girlfriend's like, "Yeah," because she was like trying to figure out what we what the code was that we were talking does he go everywhere with his girlfriend well that's a i mean i i have to think maybe that was her mom or something and that's why they were having lunch together today oh okay all right and he's in sales so he probably has a real free schedule to do stuff like that you know right i don't know what she does but whatever it was just very odd because i haven't been to that place to eat lunch in a while and you know been getting really tired of the same old places. And uh, my buddy who I work with, he's like, well, uh, he's trying to lose weight. So he's like, anywhere serves a salad, which is not true because the other day I went to go to his other place. He's like, they don't serve salad. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> screw that place. But uh, so I was like, well, let's go to Stein's today, you know? And just happened to walk in there and that guy's just sitting there enjoying himself, you know, waiting on his sandwich to be made. Well, listen, next time you see him, you have to tell him to download the Holy Fuck It's Lee Zurich episode because um, not only is there a clear tie between New Orleans, Syracuse, you, Lee Zurich, and Lee Zurich, um, 
it is trending to be our most popular, <laughs> uh, our most popular episode ever. <laughs> People are are starting to work through like uh, we must be starting to get momentum because we've got like. Like close to a hundred downloads on some of the earlier episodes, and people are still some of the episodes from like November are still getting downloads and stuff. But the uh, holy fuck, it's Lee Zurich got a huge bump off the bat. Um, because, well, I imagine a lot of people you know, your generation, have to know who Lee Zurich is, but being that he was an SAE and stuff, you know, but nobody. Nobody I know listens to this podcast. <laughs> That's not true. Teresa listens to all the time, I'm sure. Right? Uh, Ter- Teresa does. I think Tara Fox might, uh, and my brothers. Other than that, what I can't. What about Liz Stillman? Um, she's a supporter in theory. Um, you know, she'll give the. She's like know, the absentee parent. She'll give the Facebook bumps, and you know, yeah. she'll she'll keep current. But I don't think she, you know, sits down. But um, Lee Zurich, holy fuck, it's Lee Zurich by far uh, was number one with a bullet for a while. But well, that's awesome. some of our earlier episodes, I mean, you know, people are people are catching on, man. We're 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 catching on like like wildfire. Yeah, I mean, I know some of my buddies down here have been listening to it. Yeah. Um, not really. I mean, I know one buddy in Baton Rouge listens to it all the time. He was the guy that told me that he's uh, kind of becoming a Syracuse fan because of it. Okay. Now, I've heard that. You, I, you've told me that. Um, yeah. But I've heard one or two other people check in. Uh, my brother had told me he, he turned a few um, just random dudes onto it. And they're like, wow. Nice. It, it it makes you know a likable team even more likable because it, be honest, not that many people hate Syracuse. Maybe some UConn, maybe some UConn guys, maybe some Georgetown guys. Yeah. Other than that, it, it's a team you can get behind. They're a likable team. You know they play a fun style. The two three zone captures people's imaginations, and the orange uniforms stick out. Yeah. So there's a, uh, for the last 20 years I've been running into casual, you know, Syracuse fans and um you know they all kind of say the same thing and you know they've been they've been watching them for years and they've been watching them from afar. So those same guys who, you know, uh, took a minute and, and downloaded one or two of our podcasts apparently uh found us likable chums talking about a likable team. Well, even funny about that is even before we had this, there would be people I'd meet who would, you know, because of me being in Syracuse, would start paying attention to stuff, you know, and kind of get a little fandom on their hands just because it's inoffensive. They don't have to worry about ever playing them in anything or, you know, like if you're an LSU fan, Syracuse is as far from LSU as East is from West, man, you know? Right. Like, except for when we play them in football in 2015 and 17. But um, I actually ran into some LSU nuts the other night who were all jacked up to go up there for that game because apparently the first one's going to be in the Carrier Dome. And um, I'll tell you this much, I definitely will be there for that. Yeah, you As know. As I will for the return date in 2017 in Tiger Stadium. I was... Um... I was actually thinking about trying to monetize that 
and figuring out a way to run a trip up there. I think I could run a bus trip from New York City. Two sorry excuses, uh, world tour, LSU trip to the carrier. Dome. Oh my God! So here's what you do, man: you fly into New York. Yeah. Okay. You stay with me a couple days, and then we get a bus, maybe a party bus. I don't know, but but a, but a bus, yeah, some type of party and bus, whether it was formal party and bus or just party and bus and in spirit. And we we ride up, we fill the bus, we ride up, and we do a podcast on the way up. Yep. We get hotel rooms, we throw a tailgate the day of the game. We have to get some all-stars on that bus with us, though. Well, I'm, I am, um, I'm friends with Kyle McIntosh. Does that qualify? I was, I was thinking more lower level, like Mike Reardon or somebody like that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Reardon, Fat Pat, PP, you know, uh, uh, maybe the Blue Whore. I don't know. Uh, brilliant. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get that in motion. It's 2015. Yeah, I mean, we got a whole 16 months or whatever, 18 months from now. All right, perfect. Okay, we'll get that done. We'll get that done. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Watch, it's gonna be friggin'. September 12th or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what day the game's scheduled. You're going to be scrambling around. Well, we got a friggin' old child molester van out there. <laughs> no, man. I need money. Deposits are going to be due by <laughs> April 15th. <laughs> and I got that Eagle super, van, super fan that I went to New Orleans with with me. Uh, I figure if that guy can do it, I can do it. Yeah, no kidding. Well, we got, that's actually going to take some real planning, though. Yeah, well, that's because we got 16 months. I think we might be able to pull yeah, it off. I mean, like, we're going to have to arrange living situations, not sleeping on guy's couch. No, 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 no. We book hotel rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hotel rooms and stuff. <laughs> 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 and stuff could, could include campsites, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Girl who made a terrible mistake at the bar. That's another place to stay. <laughs> that's what that's what we promise. We don't promise that you uh, get a hotel room. We promise that we will send you home with and there's there's tears. So the um, the economy pack is um, you go home with a middle aged townie. Yeah, there'll be that. There's tears and tears in that situation. The mid tier is you go back to South Campus. With some middling grad student. Skytop, right? The Skytop Hall or whatever. And the premium package is um, you go to um, Campus Hill Apartments uh, right there on Walnut Park with um, with a hot Kappa Kappa Gamma chick. Yeah. Done. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't know who. I don't know which one of your forty-year-old buddies are hitting up that package. Creepy <laughs> <laughs> forty-year-old guys hitting on me. Uh, he says he. He says he was here when Marvin Graves was quarterback. <laughs> Isn't he dead? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be more like, "Who the fuck is that?" Really. Uh, that's true. Yeah. God. Uh. Isn't he dead? Uh, well, I <laughs> like your... I'll be in their eyes. He might as well not even have been born to those people. Well, I like your scoop neck t-shirt anyway, sweetie. Yeah. 
Uh, so there you go. Ran into that guy. So um, I told that guy I'll send out the email to the Alumni Association because I told him there's a fifth one in town now. <laughs> All points bulletin. Apparently his name is Brian Veely. If anybody's ever heard of him out there in the Two Sorry Excuses uh, podcast sphere. Uh, the I like to go with the too sorry too sorry excuniverse. Ah, uh, there you go. You like that? I'm gonna make a yep. t sh- shirts for that one. Yeah. Um, what year is he? The guy tells me that he thinks he's like 35. I ran a Google search on him naturally. <laughs> Wasn't able to turn up much than that. He he must have got an MBA from Tulane, but I can't gather anything. Uh, college-wise, you know? Right. A um, couple of LinkedIn pages, a couple of uh, Rate My Financial Advisor, because he's, he's got some quotes and some articles about markets and stuff, because apparently that's what he deals with. He's apparently a really sharp guy. No, you pretty know? sweet. Yeah, he might be too sharp to uh, affiliate himself with us. <laughs> well, that's a, that. that's a given. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, all right, let's um, let's talk about some basketball. You even want to talk basketball? Well, we can get right to the chase about about the big news today. Yeah, um, I, I was hoping that it would there'd be some drama to it, but yeah, um, he dispensed with that pretty quick. Of course, we're talking about Tyler Ennis uh, announcing that he is. Taking his talents to the league. Yep. I mean, I wish he would have stayed one more year, but that's because I'm selfish. I do think he could probably use another year, but I'm not going to give the guy crap for going at, you know. If somebody told me, hey, man, you can stick around here another year, you can go sign a million-dollar contract tomorrow, I, I know what I'd do, you know? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Is that in in terms of the mock projections? Um, I mean, folks have his downside as low as nineteen, but the consensus is really, uh, you know, he's a top eight pick. Yeah. Um, and if you look at it in terms of pure economics, and and not necessarily in terms of dollars and cents, but you know, from an economic standpoint. Uh, it's what does he have to gain by staying? And since they instituted the um, the one and done rule, yeah, so I know two, where you're going with this. So 2005 was the last uh, yeah. was the last time a high school student could come out directly uh, into the NBA draft. Since then, there's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight drafts. Of those eight drafts, only three have had a point guard go in the top 10. Yeah. So the fact that he's projected to go into the top 10 and may not even be the best point guard in the draft, apparently there's there's a couple um, couple foreigners, a uh, dude from Australia um, who is on the list. Marcus Smart from Oklahoma State um, is around you know a 6 to 10. The other side with it is, too, the way they changed, you know, when they when they set in the rookie wage scale, the cap is 
you know, you might as well go now because you got to get your three years in before you get your big contract and you're wasting a year of your career if you stay in college. Exactly. So it, it totally makes sense for him to go. There's no real upside for him to stay. Uh, n- of those um, of those drafts, one point guard was the number one pick in the draft. And that's really, uh, you know, I think, Two through eight in terms of longevity. Maybe you want to go three through eight. Um, you know, are all essentially based on, you know, uh, on potential upside. The yeah. number one pick is usually head and shoulders above, unless you know you're drafting a European guy who is purely speculative talent. Um, you know, two through eight are all. You know, kind of in the same range. And then anything after that, I mean, it's hit or miss, man. Second half yep. of the draft, you got a 50% chance it ended up in the D League if you're, you know, if you're in the last 10 picks. Yeah. Um, so it, not a surprise that he went. Not even that big of a concern that he's going because um, we've got a good freshman class coming in. Yep. Um, Caleb Joseph. Um, Caleb Joseph will probably be splitting time with Benajay, apparently. Which uh, I, I don't mind. I think Benajay did a good job this year. Benajay played a lot better towards the end of the season. He played all right in the tournament, you know? I, I saw him get a lot of shit in social media, and, and I'm not yeah. sure why. But those are the same people that gave um, um, Carter Williams. Yeah. Uh, you know, shit. For what a, fuck all the haters, right, Sanders? Hey, fuck all the haters. <laughs> um, so I, I think you know, obviously, Ennis is going to be a lottery pick, and he certainly proved himself to be all league um, this year and 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 fun to watch. But you know, you kind of expected him to go. I think we're doing the next best thing we can do is yep. bring in legitimate replacements for him. After that, 2015, we have a commitment. Um, from Malachi Richardson, yeah, who's one of the stud. who's one of the top guards in the nation. So, yeah. you know, I I think we're okay there. Rarely do we go lacking wanting for point guards at Syracuse University because it's something that Bayheim stresses is getting good point guard point guards because it's you know you can go pretty far as long as you, as long as you have a pretty good point guard. Here's the sixty four thousand dollar question. Yes. What does Grant do, and what should Grant do? We know what sh- we know what Grant should do. What does Grant do? I did read scuttlebutt from one of the Do Sports writers who spoke to a a league scout who was of the mind that he wasn't surprised Ennis left, but he has a feeling Grant will stay. I mean, this is just all some unsubstantiated rumors, but um. With that being said, it seems like just based on that alone, maybe Grant is gonna stick around. Well, you know, maybe the fact that he didn't get to finish his season the way he wanted to finish it because of the lingering back issues or something, maybe that, maybe, maybe there's some view that maybe that'll screw with his stock that he needs to come back and uh, continue working on what makes him so much. So attractive to NBA teams, you know. Not only, um, not only that, he he needed a big 
march. Yeah. He needed a, a Carter Williams type march to propel him up the draft board. Um, but obviously he didn't have it. And, you know, he's sitting somewhere in that 20 to, to 28 range in terms of early, you know, projections. So it, he's a guy who, if he's getting drafted, he's being drafted solely on like, well, gee, look how high he can jump, you know, whereas. Tyler's more like, well, look what he does, you know? Exactly. And um, I don't know if you got... Do you do you read Sports Illustrated? Uh, I have a subscription to it that I keep paying for. <laughs> um, I think it's a regional copy, but the um, NCAA tournament preview from uh, March 24th yeah. had um, Ennis on the cover. Yeah, I, don't, I got the one with the Wichita State guy because apparently I'm in Kansas' region. Okay, couple I don't things. Know how the hell that works? I don't know how the hell I get something with a guy from a thousand miles away on cover. <laughs> a couple things uh, I took note of. One, um, that fucking guy with the Batman uh, mask made the cover front and center. He made a career out of this season. You know who I'm talking about? What for? He's a Syracuse fan. He's a Syracuse fan. What it is? I don't know what the with the cover that you got, but the the, the Syracuse. Yeah, mine's Wichita State. It's the same type of thing. With all the super Wichita State fans instead. Yeah. Okay. So so they have all the the Syracuse fans, including Mello. Um, it's kind of like a Where's Waldo kind of deal. Although they yeah. have to point an arrow to 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 show that it's Mello. But um, there's a kid who looks like Scott Pentony wearing a Batman mask, but it's an orange Batman mask. Um, and I've seen him at a ton of the games because, one, <laughs> I was like, where do you get an orange Batman mask? And two, I was like, that looks like Scott Pentony. Um, but anyway, so in, in the <laughs> inside, there's an article, uh, an entire article about Jeremy Grant and how uh, he's worked with uh, Red Autry this year to turn over, um, you know, his his outside shooting woes into a strength. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of talk about the Grant family. Um, they were slow to develop. His uncle and his father were slow to develop. And he's got a bunch of brothers who were also slow to develop. And basically it's, you know, they're, um, there's long-term success in his future, but it's not it's not here now. And there's a great quote. Um, there's a great quote by Bayheim, which is, if I could do a Bayheim voice, I'd love to do this in a Bayheim voice, but you can even just picture it. And he said, um, uh, Bayheim projects Grant to be a 15-year NBA player, but he thinks he needs to build up from his 218 pounds to at least 230. I love that. That's, that's classic Coach B because... It's not open-ended. It's, listen, yeah. you weigh 218 pounds. You need to weigh 230. You can do that next year. It's not yeah. bulk up. It's it's a definitive goal. So I think that's great yeah. when he does shit like that. Um, and to quote, Jeremy's not, Jeremy's not physically ready, Beheim says. You got to go when you're ready. It's a shame we're in a culture when you've got to go right now. There's nothing wrong, even for a really good player to develop, and, and that's exactly that's exactly what you were talking about in terms of the rookie pay scale. There's no benefit for a guy like Grant to go and 
I've also read some of the scuttlebutt that says, it, you know, if he does go, some of the NBA execs think that he'll end up in the D League. Yeah. I mean, he's a classic D League type of player. He's a guy that needs to be developed. I mean, like, he's why the D League exists, you know? Yeah, totally. Guys who they want, but don't want to put on the court yet, but they want him to get playing time. You know, minor. he's a minor league guy. I mean, he's, know, I mean, that's all there is to it. He's got Tyler to, Ennis is going to go to a team that will probably have him on the court right away, just like Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah, no doubt. You kind of got to play point guards because with point guards, either you can do it or you can't. Right. I mean, it's like being a quarterback. It's, you know, I, a lot of times you see quarterbacks, you know, usually they get thrown to the wolves. You know, you just got to do it. Ultimately, I think, I think they're right. I think that Grant ends up being, you know, uh, uh, you know, a decade long NBA player. Yeah, you know, a totally. six seven, you know, eighth man. But that's not doesn't start next year. Yep. And he only hinders his his development if he does so. So I hope he stays in for you know for his sake because um, I think he'll be fun to watch in the pros. But also, I think, you know, obviously for our sake, you've got, you know, a, a developing Christmas. Hopefully, Coleman can come back with, um, you know, w- without hindering his development. you got two good freshmen. And, you know, if Cooney can find his stroke, the poor bastard, and, oh, w- and one of those freshmen um, from this year's team um, – you know, is able to kind of grasp what we're doing defensively. I, I like next year's team. I, I'm excited that, for that already. That's the only thing I'm that I that that's one of the things I regret about. Um, one of the things I'm gonna miss about Tyler gone is that I was just thinking about you know him on next year's squad, man. How ridiculous they would be with that McCullough kid coming in. Yeah. Uh. You know, like him, like, friggin' dishing the ball to a player like that, you know, with Grant back for another year. You could just drool at the thought of that. You know, the only, the way we fizzled out in the tournament, the only thing that's giving me respite right now is that Dayton has been carrying a a steady 10-point lead throughout this game. Yeah. I'm all in on Dayton now. I want them to win the title. Somehow it will justify our loss. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm down with the Flyers. Yep. Um, but start to kind of wrap up here. I know you got some uh, some beverages to have somewhere else. But um, Grant and Ennis aren't the only Orange possibly packing their bags, headed out of town. Yep. Uh, this morning I heard a story that Hopkins is on the list uh, to head to BC. Now I haven't been able to find any confirmation of that. They've um, been talking about him being uh, NBC's plan since that job went open, but their their sights are squarely set first and foremost on Tommy Amaker. Yeah, which makes sense. Which makes sense. He's up there already. Yep. Um, I, I think- mean, he's right there. Um, I read. I did see some quotes from. Hopkins saying that, you know, he's not going to jump in anything stupid, something to that effect, you know, that when the time comes, it comes. 
But by the same token, I think um, Adam Shine, Syracuse guy, you know, uh, Fat Pat's old roomie. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He had uh, Jim Beheim on his show earlier today. And I was reading some tweets, and I believe um, I believe Beheim says he hasn't planned for plan on retiring for several years. Well, Coach K came out and gave it a number and said he's not retiring for five years. Yep, I and saw that. There's no way Beheim is going to bow out, you know, considerably earlier than that. Beheim's g- not leaving before the ACC tournament goes to Brooklyn. Nope, nope. So I that's think that's all they said. I think this is a good time. I had always been um, a proponent of Hopkins sticking around. Where can he, you know, where can he have a better run as an associate coach in waiting? You know, he's the lead recruiter. He's got it going on. Everything is in place. But I think this is actually a good time to leave, especially for a job like BC, because that's a job that there's only so much upside at BC. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not a basketball power. Although they've had, you know, traditionally strong teams, um, the recruiting base is only so wide up there, and it would be an upgrade to come back to his alma mater in, you know, in five or six years. Well, the problem with BC is that it's stuck in Boston. You know, yeah, it's it gets hidden by all the. Um, professional sports because Boston's a pro sports town, you know? Yep. That's, you know, people are going to choose the Celtic, like even as good as you get at BC and they've had good teams there in the past 15 years, you know, it gets pushed to the back burner because of the, the way the Boston sports scene, you know, is, is uh, constructed. Uh, He's also been mentioned in the Marquette job, uh, the Marquette opening, which is which is a really good job, probably better than BC. Yeah. Now the downside of that is that it's not it's not the ACC. No. Uh, you know, it's not as high profile in terms of recruiting. The uh, Boston makes sense because he's you know he's staying in the ACC footprint. Um, you know he 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 gets to learn the league. He gets to mature there. Uh, you know. In terms of eyeing a return to Syracuse. And, you know, that's how I'm kind of looking at it. No, I understand. But even if he goes to Marquette, you know, he uh, they're never going to have as much money as Syracuse. You know, what if he goes to BC and turns it into some type of powerhouse? Right. You know what I'm saying? They got the money. They got the money to keep up in his up in the ante. Where is um, Buzz Williams? Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams took the Virginia Tech job. Ah. Which is a terrible job, but he just wanted to get out of Marquette because a new president is coming in. And, you know, the whole you want to be with your own guy type of thing. He doesn't like the fact that they, they're they not getting as much money as they were when, the, when they were in the old Big East. Which is ridiculous because he was still getting paid a lot of money. Right. But he just, he wants to be in a, uh, I guess he wants to be in a bigger program, you know. And Virginia Tech's pretty low level. Like you saw there. Where they play, yeah, and that place looks like something out of like the you know, something that's been in mothballs for uh, forty years. It's pretty terrible. Yeah, they're pretty weak. But um, I guess he figures, you know, you go there, maybe you can win there, and and then move up to a uh, bigger BCS type of school. You know? Yeah, I mean, 
you got to kind of do that in this landscape, um, especially with you know some of those proposed changes coming down the pike. Um, the um, labor relations board yes. ruling was, today. That's a whole I'm other. I'm glad we're getting to this because I was gonna say we got to cover that. Yeah. What um what are your thoughts? Lay it out for those who are uninitiated, but. Um, well, are still it was interested. Back January 28th, uh, led by a guy who I guess was the quarterback last year, but he's a graduate now, I guess. He's not going to be on the team anymore. They, um, they, took a, they took a vote of the team members to request uh, that they be able to be certified as a union, I believe, correct? Yes. And they were getting help from the United Steelworkers in drafting their uh, – their proposal or however it works, their petition. And uh, and today, the word came out or yesterday that the National Labor Relations Board uh, for the Chicago District uh, approved their initial proposal. You know, and they laid it out, the guy that wrote the um, opinion, his name like John Orr something or other, you know, like they... You know, what What was persuasive for him was the fact that in the last 10 years or so, the Northwestern football program made $238 million in revenue, something about that number, and all the work they did. He's like, everything, look, everything that we see, this looks like employees making money for a private enterprise. And based on that, he's like, these these guys should be recognized as a union. Obviously, this isn't the end all. Uh, there's going to be appeals gone. Anything's decided on. It's probably going to be a couple of years away. Uh, but that's the way. And it only. And right now, this only applies to private schools. It doesn't. It applies to Syracuse. This ruling, because Northwestern's a private university, aka private employee, right? Employer. Where it doesn't apply to the bulk of the schools, which are, you know, state schools like your LSU's, Florida State's, Florida's, because they're going to have to, um, they they have to be in line with whoever the state laws on unions, uh, on union rules are, and and those would be public employee unions like the SEIU. Um, if if Steve Koch was here, he could tell us a hell of a lot more about this process. <laughs> well, he's he, he's like a labor organizer or something or other like that, you know. Yeah, he work. I think he works for the. Well, he might just work for Connecticut now, but I thought he was working for the SEIU, but I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, needless to say, it's kind of like the first nail in the coffin for the NCAA. A lot of people believe, and a lot of people hope. It's it's probably more than anything it's going to affect two primary sports, football and men's basketball, because those are revenue sports. I don't think it's ever going to affect anything like volleyball or uh, lacrosse or uh, the legion of other sports that are supported by colleges that basketball and football uh, bankroll, you know, because uh, those people aren't making money for the university. The problem is is going to be that I don't see a scenario where this doesn't gain momentum and move forward um, with a tremendous amount of speed in terms of, uh, you know, the the Labor Relations Board, um, 
you know, setting a precedent that can stick, um, that's sound in philosophy, it's sound in law, and it, it, it's sound in traditional labor practices. The problem is you're opening up Pandora's box because every yeah. turn you go around, there's unintended consequences, both on the player's side and uh, on the NCAA side. And I spent three years working um, in the NCAA's umbrella, and there is not a more backwards, corrupt, or hypocritical organization than the NCAA in terms of uh, their business practices um, and how they take advantage of the student-athlete under the guise of sportsmanship, which is total bullshit. But the players are opening up a door that will have tremendous ramifications when it comes to things that they don't that don't fall within the, their scope uh, of perception right now. You're talking about taxes. You're talking about benefits. You're talking about yeah. collective bargaining. You're talking about Title IX and how does that get applied and cut across all of the layers. And I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to see you you might see the uh, the total if not the total disbandment. Is that even a word? Disbandment. Sure. Why not? At least the dilution. The dilution. Take that sure, one too. Why not? Of the NCAA. The dissolution. The dissolution. Well, well, if you're talking about being diluted, I think you're fine there. All right. The the NCAA will get to that point that we've been talking about for a couple of years where you've got the major power six conferences say, okay, listen, we're going to break off and we're going to do our own thing. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to form this football league. That's going to be above and beyond anything else. It's a power five now. Uh, true. True. Well, you know, um, I mean, a few years ago, I I said this. Um, I mean, not that not that anybody should be gone by what I say, but I kind of feel that well, a college sports at the highest levels, as far as being in sync with college education, university mission, a university's mission is a total farce. Correct. You know, the thing may, like, I think if you just threw out a team like LSU, so this is the LSU football team, and it was fielded by a bunch of guys who never went to class, no one would care that they didn't go to class. You know, because no one does care whether they go to class. They only care about it in terms of how it affects their eligibility, you know? Yep. No one gives a damn whether their football player's going to school. But what I could see happen with maybe... You know, because you're not going to be able to pay everybody the same amount of money. And obviously, some guys are worth more than other guys. You know, obviously, uh, Johnny Manziel is worth a hell of a lot more than the second-string punter on Texas A&M. Uh, you know, maybe if they did some sort of hybrid thing, you know, where you're going to be the guys, you're the highest recruit or whatever, you get a certain pay scale. But then the lesser guys... They'll be there for the education, you know? Their stuff will be offset with the college. You know what all these people think? Well, they're getting college scholarships, you know? But that doesn't matter when you're a guy who could be making that money as a professional to begin with anyway. Yeah, totally. But there is obviously a large percentage of any team in college sports who's the, who, who legitimately is taking advantage of the, of the educational opportunities. The... And... 
And listen, 90, 99%, I think that that's a legitimate number, 99% of all college athletes, all NCAA athletes, uh, do not go pro. So yeah. you're talking about all the non-revenue sports, and you're even talking about the revenue sports. 95% yeah. of the revenue sports don't go pro. Um, so I think what's going to happen is you're going to see those power schools pull away from the NCAA, and yeah. they're going to form their own league. They're going to form their own rules. They're going to get their own television contracts. They're going to pay the players, and they're going to use the surplus to fund the so-called non-revenue sports. Then you're going to have the NCAA be forced to figure out what to do with the division, division one, division two, division three, and you're going to see, you know, the mid mid-level schools participate in the NCAA rules. You know, not pay players, you know, still yeah. participate in championships, but the quality of play will drop off. You're not going to see March Madness like we know it anymore. I just don't see those things yeah. staying and, and being the anchor now that all of this has been put in motion because top notch revenue sport athletes are going to get paid one way or another and it's not the $2,000 stipend that the NCAA uh, yeah. president's talking about. You're talking but about tens of thousands of dollars. Graduated pay structure though. What's that? You know? um, yeah, I mean we don't know what's going to be out there but uh, something's going to change. Yeah, it's inevitable. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's just you know the commercialization of sports and I was watching the game um, on watching games maybe on Saturday Sunday afternoon. My parents yeah. had dinner um, for everybody, so we were all just kind of sitting around watching the game. And you know, my Good. dad had dinner for everybody, not just for your fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, that's I okay. Help to make a comment, <laughs> we had one of those, um, w- which I'm sure that you've had with your dad. You know those uh, those. Um, you know, senior type of sporting moments where they just kind of begrudge the current state of athletics. Yeah. You know, and I remember having it with my grandfather, you know, probably 20 years ago or so when he, um, we were watching an NBA game together and, you know, they were playing, you know, the intros and the fireworks and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, my dad kind of had the same thing, but I was like, dad, listen, you... You don't miss a single NCAA March Madness game because that's made possible by this commercialization. That's made possible by you know the monetization of this. Yeah, you know, something's got to drive of this product. And he was like, you know what, you're right, but doesn't mean it doesn't suck. And yeah, he's absolutely he's absolutely right. So with the good is the bad, and we're gonna find out what happens. I mean, I love college sports as much as the next guy, and I love Syracuse basketball, but. You know, I see no reason that kids should even have to be going to college for a year if they don't want to. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's all a big collusion, collusive effort anyway between the NBA Players Union that doesn't want the competition, wants to save jobs, you know. Uh, Yeah, it's a joke. Colleges that don't want to lose the players, you know. it's So, I don't know. I don't think anybody should have to go to school if they don't want to. Yeah, right. You know, you wouldn't expect... uh, your favorite musician or actor to have to go to college to do something that entertains you. Even my UPS guy. Yeah. You can't you cannot be a UPS delivery man unless you go to one year of college. 
Well, that's ridiculous. Absolutely. But like, uh, but that makes more sense, I guess, than even having a guy who's going to be, you know, shooting a basketball or tackling people for a living. You know, <laughs> I mean, that entertains me. I, I never sit there, you know, be like, oh man, I don't like Paul McCartney. He dropped out of college. Screw that guy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, man, Amy Adams is a terrible actress. She didn't even go to college. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, So that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, man, on that note, you got anything else? No, nothing else, but um, Dayton is getting tempted. Dayton is getting really close to win this thing. They're up by 10. Uh, Guys at the line with a second free throw right now for Dayton. With a minute 16 left, they're up by 11 now. The biggest fear is them blowing it because, you know, that's kind of what happens to these small schools sometimes. Yeah. You know, like you're going you're at a Morrison moment. Yeah, I'd like to see him hold on. If he hits yeah. this. Well, 104 left. Stanford's getting the ball back. We don't need to do play-by-play here. <laughs> we can uh, just send our love to Girk. Thanks, brother. All right. On that Take note. Away, Sandman. On that note, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Adios.